Fusion Patrol is a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can help support us at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. This is the Fusion Patrol podcast. Each week, we look at a different science fiction TV episode or movie and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we're looking at the 2019 BBC adaptation of The War of the Worlds, as adapted by Peter Harness. Synopsis. It's War of the Worlds. You already know it. In fact, do we even need to bother to tell? A question the writer of this adaptation no doubt asked himself many a time, but like him, let's be precursory and get it over with so we can move on to what we really want to say. Martians come to Earth and land on Horsel Common, where they cross paths with a pair of cohabitating unmarried fornicating socialists and also the secretary <laughs> of the Minister of War, who happens to be the estranged brother of one of the aforementioned cohabitating unmarried fornicating socialists. They get separated. They travel, they come back together, and travel some more as the Martian colonial war machine tramples the might of the British Empire under its spiky boots. Then the truth comes out. The Martians are eating humans, but it gives them a tummy ache, and they die. But not before everyone in our largely uninteresting band of fellow travelers is killed and eaten. Except for Amy and her unborn child, George Jr. Years in the future, Amy roams the wastelands of an earth turned into a Martian surrogate. It is a world of infertile red earth, Martian weeds, red skies, and a sun that is mysteriously millions of miles further distant than it should be. Amy and her son are searching for her missing husband. And when I say husband, I actually mean her cohabitating, unmarried, fornicating socialist partner, who's actually been dead the entire time, and she's known it all along, but her sad, pathetic existence has no point but to keep looking. When word comes through the grapevine that her husband has been found and is returning, she dares hope, despite the fact that she knows him to be dead for years. It turns out it's Ogilvy, a minor character from the early part of the story, who, for probably plot and economic reasons, is both the chemist that this ruined world needs right now, and the astronomer that discovered the Martian launches and the first Martian landing. The Earth is dying. George Jr. is dying. The village is dying. Babies aren't happening. Crops won't grow except in graveyards, and the remnants of humanity are falling into jingoistic, patriotic, and religious mindsets to explain the world around them. But Amy's got an idea! Maybe it's the typhoid that killed the Martians, and maybe Ogilvy can make a serum which they can use as a Martian weed killer, which he does, and it works. But the village leader won't hear of such nonsense. That's not in keeping with the narrative that God and the good old British Tommy defeated the aliens. That night, she smashes it all up, but then sees a green plant and gets religion. The end of the BBC's adaptation of something vaguely associated with the world. I'm going to start this with a question. What is the worst episode of Doctor Who ever produced, in your opinion? Probably the Web Planet. Well, the Web Planet. I know, you, I know what you're gunning for. You know where I'm going, though, don't you? <laughs> Kill the freaking moon. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know that it is the worst episode of Doctor Who ever written, but it's got to be in the bottom three, along with In the Forest of the Night and possibly Twin Dilemma. Uh, I... I 
So anyway, <laughs> we have this War of the Worlds, which, why did they do this? I, I mean, did you like it? I guess I guess I should preface this by saying where I'm coming from on War of the Worlds, because I get the impression that you're quite an aficionado. Of Are it. you going to tell me you've never heard of War, read or seen? War I'm not of the saying Worlds, I've right? never heard of War of the Worlds. I have, in fact, heard of, of War of the Worlds, and I could probably just about hum along to parts of the Jeff Wayne album. But oh, yeah. beyond that. <laughs> I know that there are some tripods in it. I haven't actually read it. I haven't, incredibly, I haven't seen or heard any other adaptations. There was a film of it, it seems like, only the other day, but I looked it up and it turns out to be over a decade ago. The uh, There was a Sherwood Studios audio adaptation two years ago. Big Finish did an Finish. adaptation one year ago. Fox have done an adaptation this year as well as the BBC doing this. And this is the one that I seem to have ended up watching. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Well, then, then we... <laughs> well, one of my points... Okay, but I didn't answer the question. Did you enjoy this then? I'm sorry. Did, did, did I enjoy this? Mm, this was a... This was a pretty painful thing to watch, I thought. I mean, I I knew all the way through because it's 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 written by the guy who wrote Kill the Moon. I knew that you would be gunning for the writer in this, and, and yeah, because I like because the because I, I well, I was going to say I like the Zygon inversion slash invasion and the, the you know the the kind of themes of um, of colonialism and and. Uh, the the effects of war and refugees and so forth probably closer to closer in that than they are to this i was actually through most of this i was much more offended by the appalling appalling direction oh it's terrible and 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 the casting because this is such a waste i mean i've no idea who Eleanor Tomlinson is, I'm afraid. I've not seen her in anything else. And maybe she's terrific. But I know for a fact that Rafe Spall is terrific. They 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 cast him in the in the kind of straight chiseled jawed lead role. I mean they got him and Rupert Graves the wrong way around. That was a Yes, they did. Mistake. Um and yeah, the 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 kind of endless, ponderous shots of the of of Amy looking, I I don't know what. I mean, I wasn't quite <laughs> sure what she was supposed to be registering <laughs> at times. Good point. And and the 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 unsubtle grading. Yeah, the, yeah. The the it, because it did feel a bit kind of neither neither fish nor fowl in terms of they obviously decided. And and my understanding, I've I've listed a few recent adaptations of it. The, famous adaptation of which I'm aware is the 1938 radio mm. adaptation. Um, but I think the the film in the 50s, as well as the film in the, in yeah. the last Powell. 10 years, we were all set in the present day. But this has gone back, back almost to when it was written, but apparently not quite. And it 
it's got that it's got the in the way it's shot it's got that kind of chocolate boxy look of a period mm. piece yeah and 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 you know all all the all the kind of red planet stuff mm-hmm. is painfully obvious how studio bound it all is mm. And and mm-hmm. yet it's supposed to be this kind of super duper visual spectacle that we're all tuning in to watch the special effects for. Yeah, um, yeah. I I did not think much of the directorial choices in this episode, and I think some of them are downright deceptive in in an unfair way. And I alluded to one of them when we see all those first shots of the red dusty world. We keep getting a shot of a sun that is way too far away from the Earth. That is a sun about the size you would see it from Mars. And it's intended for you to believe that when it is not Mars. It's Earth. There's no explanation of that. That's just the director wanted to do that to fool the audience. There's a lot in this story that's about fooling the audience for stuff that is not drama or, or not interesting for that matter. So if you know enough about War of the Worlds to know that it ends with the aliens dying. We did nothing. That's the end. The aliens died of a bug, the cold. Who knows? We don't even know. It's not about eating flesh or anything like that. It's they came here. They got a cold. They died. They had no resistance. They died. End of story. Right? We get out of it. There is no post-apocalyptic nightmare. And I think that... What happened when they sat down to do this is they said, there is, there is War of the Worlds. And that's what people want to see because, you know, it's got name appeal and it's got tripods and it's got aliens. But that's not the story I want to tell. So I'm going to have to tell a kind of fluff through it, spending most of my time on a story nobody cares about, about George and Amy at all. <laughs> and they're their domestic problems and his divorce and his estrangement from his brother and all of that. But I was, I was, I was ready to care about a bit of kitchen sink faff, as you put (sighs) it. I, I could have coped with that if it hadn't been, if it hadn't been so, I mean, they just didn't commit to it. It was like, (laughs) it was just going through the motions of it. There's there's literally a line where George says he's in the middle of, he's in the middle of, um, some explanation about what's been going on to him. He said, you know, about how the second one's landed at Byfleet. And he says, I have to tell you something. I met my wife yesterday. It's like, she won't give us is, a divorce. Are we being this selfish? Is this yeah. is literally just here to, to kind of give you, give an excuse of why the, you know, why the full explanation is or pad it out or. Yeah. Yes. yes. I, and, and, but, but where I was going with that was that I don't think that, I mean, everyone, <laughs> I, I now have to clarify that comment, possibly not you, uh, but everyone knows that War of the Worlds ends with the aliens dying, not of mankind's involvement, but of because of a freak accident. We'd have been wiped out if it hadn't been for just dumb luck. Hmm. And that's that's the story. That's it, it's as it's as famous an ending as you know, Soylent Green is people, or that film with Bruce Willis where he's dead, or whatever stop, it is. Stop, Everyone, stop, stop! You're going to hit something. I don't, I don't know. About that was as many I was going to go. But you know, <laughs> they they everyone knows that there's no suspense in that. We know where this story has to go, and it no, ends the, there, and then it doesn't because 
what they wanted to tell us was this story about War of the Worlds is about colonialism. And I think what Harness wanted to tell us was about post-colonialism and post-industrialism. He, he didn't want to talk about how we go in and we kill the natives. He wanted to talk about how we go in and after we've killed the natives, we built all the trains and polluted their jungles and stuff. And, and okay, that's a different story. Tell that story. There are books out there. I've read them that people picked up post H.G. Wells' War of the World said, here's what happened after the invasion or and of interest or not interest. Why not do that? That's the story he really wanted to tell. And and the whole bit about George being dead, you know, throughout the whole thing, we're we're throughout the whole bit where we're in the future, and the story is not told in the linear logical order that I laid it out. It's told interspersed. And the whole time in the, the red planet Earth, Amy is searching for George. Amy's searching for George. I haven't seen him since the thing, and I'm searching for George. And then when we get to the end of it, she knew he was dead all along. If not dead from typhoid, then dead from a Martian sticking him in the chest. She knew that. That was completely designed to fool the audience into having some false sense of, oh, what's going to happen? Are they going to escape and be happily reunited? No. They well, that just... would all be very well if, if when the revelation came that George was dead, anyone actually cared about it, which I doubt right. sincerely. No. I, 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 th I mean, I think you make an excellent point there. The only thing is that if you took away the the kind of post-industrial, post-colonialist story from this, you'd probably be left with about an hour and a half still of the story of the invasion itself. And so I, I, yeah. I, I, think, I think it might not be that it was the story he wanted to tell, but it might be that he couldn't find a way, he couldn't find sufficient interest himself in the events of the book to to get three hours out of it and in fairness a lot of adaptations are a lot shorter than that uh, to to be fair the book war of the worlds like many hg wells books has a completely unnamed protagonist mm -hmm. who is telling this from a first person narrative and apart from the fact that he has a wife that he's trying to get back to that's we don't we don't know any we don't need to know anything about this this fellow except he lives somewhere near Horsell Common, and and so a lot of times when they come in to adapt War of the Worlds, they can't do that. They have to create sure. characters, and, and I I have recently heard the Big Finish adaptation, which was quite good and was set back in the time of the the thing, and they had to create a basically a series of characters who had to go through the various events and, you know, bring in a female to have some parody there and you know, all of the all of the things that you have to do in a modern adaptation like they've done here. But for a show that does not concentrate on the actual War of the Worlds that much or doesn't seem interested in the War of the Worlds that much, it's 16 minutes before they even bother to drop a Martian on the planet. So if they cut out the post-apocalyptic stuff, then they would still, however much time they had left, they could still cut 50% of that for the, well, let's pick out the uh, wallpaper for the baby's uh, nursery <laughs> and let's talk about the wife. Although there are some themes there that, that we could, that may be intentional, but yeah, it just, it just feels like, it just feels like he didn't want to be doing this. 
wanted to do something else. And they said, now, nah, come on, man. We got to have a War of the Worlds. Everybody's got one. We need one, too. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So if, you're, know. if you're wondering about where, where Peter Harness came up with the characters then, this chap who was known by everyone as George, who married his first cousin but ended up leaving her for a woman called Amy. It, it usually is H.G. Wells. Indeed. They, they usually pattern this character after H.G. Wells. That's a very common thing they do in adaptations of, of Wells uh, stuff. I think I've seen it in The Time Machine. I think I've seen it okay. in a couple. It's it's just a thing that the writers do because it's first person in H.G. Wells. But yeah. There is, there is definitely, um, there's definitely some H.G. Wells there, who was a huge advocate of free love and a socialist and and all of those things that this character, that this character was. Uh, except, of course, H.G. Wells didn't die in the Martian invasion, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, yeah, it, it's just. I've seen I've seen an adaptation of H.G. Wells' life that was far more interesting than this, and I think it was done by the BBC. I've seen paint drying. No, I don't care. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I was yes, I was, I was, I was, I was out to defend Peter Harness right up until the end. Actually, in terms of saying he wasn't the problem with this, it was, it was, the, it was the speech about the happy but poor brown people that did it for me oh yeah yeah that was that was was pretty that was pretty bad and and that ending i mean so was was that her i don't even understand what happened there at the end so we had no idea first off first off i think those little glass things that she smashed are those like mini greenhouses is that a thing they do cloches cloches i've never heard of that before is it is it like to protect a plant in bad weather or something uh well it's to protect a plant from frost normally and there's no it's sign like a... of frost because we don't understand what the the um, post-invasion weather system is like i would recommend using the tops of lemonade bottles plastic lemonade bottles but i i think they Hadn't probably didn't have have those in edwardian times and and probably post edwardian times because i imagine the king got killed so it's a whole new he, yes, there. he quite possibly oh, may have possibly done. Hmm. Yeah. Or eaten. Well, and then that would be killed as well. <clears throat> but so, so she goes and she tells this story about the happy brown people where she used to come from and, and how they were poor, but they were happy and they had bright colors and did a lot of dancing and stuff, which is all very... Uh... And then she goes up and smashes the galoshes or the galoshes or... Galoshes. <laughs> things. <clears throat> Which uh, is she saying she's trying to destroy our world because she's found the way to solve the problem, but now she's going to wreck it because we don't deserve. Is this that whole, we don't deserve to live nonsense. And then, and then she sees the little green plant, the happy little green plant. And suddenly she's looking to the heavens that seem to part for her with a light in the sky. It's like, well, is that, is it, is it she having a God moment there? I, I don't know if truly a God have moment, no idea I... what's going on there. I don't know why she went out and smashed the things, but I think it was supposed to be a hopeful ending probably because, you know, her potatoes had sprouted and stuff. Was that a potato? Well, it was potato, tomatoes, probably something in the nightshade. I don't know. I would believe that you could identify a potato by its leaves. I'm not, I could not, but I I know you have more of a garden thumb than I do. But (laughs) 
<laughs> I just I just thought of it. Frankly, now that you mention it, it probably was some sort of a food crop. I was just thinking it was something they'd planted to see if it would grow. <laughs> Phoenix, yeah. <laughs> it does does make perfect sense that it would be food. <laughs> and potatoes would make a very good choice. That's in fact, that's what you do on Mars if you're uh if you're stranded up there with and Matt you Damon. Damon. You plant yeah. potatoes. Yes, you plant potatoes. <laughs> you're right, it was probably potatoes. But it was um it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't it was probably the most egregious example of amy doing something that was just completely inexplicable i don't know if we were meant to have some kind of self question oneself about what the deep meaning of this but i really wasn't having i wasn't having this thing setting me homework at the end of three hours of living through it (laughs) and there were there were other instances where it just seemed like he hadn't he hadn't he hadn't bothered to write in anything about her 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 character as you say this is not this is not really the narrator in the book has a wife there is nothing much for the actress here to go on so there are there are some moments where you would think she is developing in terms of her reaction and therefore our our kind of understanding of how humans might people might react in situations where they are being invaded by colonists who are massively massively more technologically advanced than they are and one such key one is where she and Rupert Graves are running away from the black stuff mm-hmm. and Nicholas Lipperose down the end of the alleyway mm-hmm. and they start shutting the doors Yep, and Amy says, "No, no, don't open them again." And, and uh, brother Frederick says, "I, you know, I can't possibly live with myself if I don't." And he opens huh? the door and lets Nicholas Lepreveau, whoever he's supposed to be, the Minister in, of War, the Minister of whatever. And there's a and there's a moment there where, so, and in and in fact, both Amy and Frederick are in, are unaffected by the gas cloud. It doesn't. The opening the door costs them nothing. It transpires, and there's a moment there where it actually appears that Nicholas Perrault has has survived, and clearly he would not have done had he been shut outside. I want to know how Amy feels about that. Okay, now wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. This is one of the themes that comes up in this thing over and over and over again. Uh, George tries to save the baby but ultimately has to leave the baby behind amy has to leave george on the horse and there's that whole scene with frederick was like well when he told you to leave what did you do did you actually leave (laughs) like well well yeah i i did then there's she leaves she lets george go out and kill himself um (laughs) she leaves the guy behind in the george leaves the guy behind in the pond yes um, I mean, this this comes up. Uh, I'm sure but they I, left but some I, people behind on the beach. The old lady in the house. I mean, for crying out but, loud, but I, that, but that I, was but a I, theme I, in this story. With George, with George, it's less of a. It, it's a theme with Amy. It's a development with Amy. I think. I mean, I take your point about it. It occurs. George, it happens to George a couple of times. George looks pretty anguished about it. And in fact, when he has to leave the baby, he. You know, you there's the dialogue with the soldier he's with at the time, and then he's talking about it with Amy afterwards. It clearly has a big impact on him. The, there are there are there are 
there's a journey, I think, that Amy is supposed to be going on here where <laughs> she gets more and more kind of survival-minded. You know, another instance of oh, it is where, yeah. she, where she finds the, the, the water maid. in the vase and says, you know, we're not giving, or um, Rupert Graves says, we're not giving any to Mrs. What's-her-face. And she thinks about it for a minute and then she just says, well, don't tell George because he'll want to He's give a nice his. person. You he's know, a nice she, person, exactly. Now, I, now I'm not. She I'm not won't leave the maid. Remember the dead maid. At yeah, the that's true. That that's true. That's true. So that's a good example of where she has come from. Where she has come from. Um, I think leaving. I think leaving. Leaving George when she's on the horse is a very difficult one for me to see as being in any way pivotal because it's so utterly, utterly contrived. You know, it's like yeah, get Just get on get on the horse. So where are we going? Uh, the Admiralty. Okay. And if we get split up, let's both go to the Admiralty. Um, okay, that seems a bit, like, unnecessary, given you've just said we're going to the Admiralty and that would be a reasonable assumption. But whatever, better safe than sorry. And, oh, look, there's Benji or Benny or whatever he's called, the dog. Let's leap off. And standing sort of 20 feet apart over a pile of rubble that's, you know that horse could have <laughs> jumped over. Yeah. Suddenly yep. it's like yep. right. You head you head off to the you head off to the admiralty and I and I'll um, I'll stare out this Martian tripod. And and speaking of piles of rubble, the pile of rubble that George found himself under. Did you notice it was all like wood? It was all just sticks of 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 lumber. No bricks or anything like that. All the buildings and everything are wrecked piles of rubble brick and stone and he is somehow under a completely unconvincing pile of lumber that's been piled up neatly on top of him practically it was terrible <laughs> and it was as, as unconvincing as the thing that they couldn't have climbed over to get on the horse to escape it terrible <laughs> terrible terrible uh, uh. Yeah, I not not super impressed with this story. The other theme that uh they had going on in this um which I wish I'd written down. I do have it written down here somewhere. I do have it written down here somewhere. I just don't. Oh, it's uh, the st the whole stay and do the proper thing. The wife. It's like, well, if you do the right thing and buy us, you know, and 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 the the brother has a couple of examples of saying that and you know it's all very stereotypical british upper class stiff upper lip lord peter whimsy kind of kind of stuff and of course in the end that's exactly what george does oh another example is when they make him do it you're going to volunteer we're looking for volunteers uh no i gotta find mm -hmm. my wife yeah you're gonna volunteer you're going to do the right thing here. I need what I need is an untrained man working an artillery shell. Sure. That, <laughs> makes, perfect, that makes perfect sense. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's got that sort of their, I think they're obviously making fun of the British. Well, they are making fun of the British. They are. This whole thing is making fun of the British at times. Um, the, the minister of war out there giving his speech about, you know, you ask yeah. nine out of ten people in this world what nationality they'd like to be born in. It's British and our war machine and we're the greatest. And so it's all very heavy handed. 
but also fairly superficial you, because there is yes. no there is no kind of self-examination about what these things mean what you know what at what point is this does this switch from a a code if you like to being actually the the moral imperative that you ought to follow and at what point do do you just uh, under under threat do you actually become entirely selfish about your own survival and to what extent is that ever justified you know is it is it like please put please put on your own oxygen mask before helping others or is it just every man for himself well now if you if you think that's the good question remember george asks that question because lucy tells him oh you're just being selfish for not wanting to do the right thing and he turns around to amy and he says are we being selfish and then amy's like yes all life is selfish love even more so yes i guess i guess her exact words bonk bonk on the head yep uh (laughs) but i wouldn't i wouldn't count that as being a a it's not it's not what i'm looking for in terms of how that affects our our protagonists oh no 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 it's just if you can't show it speak it right if if you can't dramatize it adequately speak it war of the worlds is a book about colonialism that's it it's you can't read that book if you know anything at all about the history of britain which anyone would have when that book was written you can't not see it as an indictment of colonialism and even to this day i maintain that anyone watching war of the worlds should at least even an american should understand that that is about going out and colonizing places and all the harm that comes from it and yet and yet we still had to have that painful scene where george and Frederick get into a fight over this is exactly what we do, isn't it? We just go out there into the lands with all those happy, dark-skinned people who dance a lot and are poor, and we kill them all. We don't go there and talk to them, or we're not nice to them. We just shoot them all up, and we build our railroads, and we smoke up the whole place. And like it, We shouldn't why... have needed that scene. <laughs> not, only, not only should we not have needed that scene, well, it's not, it's not that that... It's not that some kind of articulation of those ideas from George at some point would have been completely inappropriate. It's that at that point, at that point, it's completely inappropriate. Because it almost it's not seemed just... like he was giving up. Well, no, it wasn't like that. It was it wasn't clear what it was like. I did I didn't get the sense that he was giving up. I didn't get the sense that there was any real purpose behind why he was saying these things at this time. I mean it's not just that it's not just that it wasn't constructive to the situation. It wasn't a pep talk that would galvanize everyone else into action. It's like, why did it even pop into his head at that point? Okay, well, okay, wait a minute. It's just the writer needed to have someone say these words. G- giving up isn't exactly what I meant there, but but it is. At that point, George has now turned this around in his head, and he's saying, this is justice. This is this is our payback for doing that. This is our penance. It's a very religious Catholic notion there yes, that it's and, and, that they're I'm taking the guilt on. So I deserve this. I deserve no. what's happening to me. That's kind of giving up. That's like, no, I don't deserve it. We're going to fight back. And he 
and and I think I think there I think there is I think there is a theme there because there's all there is also that's what that's what Amy says to Frederick. Mm-hmm. Um, the the thing is, I don't understand how either of them feel about that at either of those moments. There's nothing. There's nothing there to tell me. Right. what they feel this means for them. So I get I get it. I get the idea that this is punishment, this is payback. Okay, does that make you does that make you feel angry? Does that make you feel re- rebellious? Does that make you feel resigned? Does that make you feel guilty? You know, do you do you do you accept that you are in some way getting your just desserts or or do you or do you reject that whole idea and do you feel that you want to fight back against how unfair life is i have no idea what they no, actually no. think about it all they're doing is saying oh look here's this interesting parallel isn't it and and i think one of the more interesting lines in the film and that's saying a lot because there weren't any um <laughs> was frederick's response to that Oh, this is what you always do. Seeing things from the point of the other person. This, that's not an acceptable excuse when it's down to survival. And it's like, yeah, what you just said is that empathy is impractical. Like, but I would argue empathy practical. is... No, I know. But it, he's, it just... he's, he's, not, he's not saying what he, what he should have said if he were being practical is... George, this isn't the time and the place to express these thoughts. Instead, he he wants to get in some kind of philosophical argument about how it's not practical, but he's not being practical by having that argument. Yeah, yeah. So um... it's 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 a weak argument at the best of times. But you know, if you if you if you want as a dramatist to explore and and essentially to pick apart the arguments that you dislike then it's your duty to express those arguments as strongly as you possibly can so that your argument can win by virtue of being stronger than the strongest opposing argument rather than by virtue of the fact that you have constructed a straw man and then just knocked it down i was thinking that they were going for whoever was loudest uh but it- <laughs> Speaking of the theme of Amy becoming someone who does what she needs to do, uh, were we, to survive, were we supposed to take from this that she put out sexually for that soldier who was catching her stealing the can of food? Because I kind of got that. I think I think we were supposed to take that was what he wanted. Well, then we get nothing more out of it. She just then it's the end of the scene and the next scene she's got the can of food and of course it turns out to be rotten ha 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 but (laughs) because of course it is but i i and then we never see that character again and i'm just like we're if that went somewhere it it would kind of fit with the theme it's supposed to be another example of terrible things that happen but again how far would she go to survive for her child what would she do i mean that is is an interesting moral question it is an interesting moral question but the dramatic, they quest, the dramatic question is what's the psychological over. effect that it has on her that too and we don't get that, that. Too. no none whatsoever except we it makes her, her smash up out the window clashes or whatever yeah <laughs> oh let's uh, you know something in a with with the exception of that bit where rupert is is complaining about 
George is always seeing things from the other guy's point of view, which is terrible. Is it just a terrible? <laughs> is a terrible point of view to have and to hold. Um, but okay. Apart from that, Frederick's character pretty much through this thing, I liked better than almost everyone else in the show. Right? He wants to go back for the minister. He he. Even though he doesn't really like. Amy, as soon as he finds out she's with child, he's there to try to protect its family. But still, I would have much preferred him to be the star of the show. (laughs) Whether that, in fact, I would have much preferred him to be as as the character he was to be the primary star of the show. Which you know, to some degree, uh, I I would almost argue he was second bill after Amy. But um, because George was just nothing through the course of this through the course of the thing. But uh, what about the character of Ogilvy? The convenient chemist astronomer character of Ogilvy. Well, the one thing, the one thing, the one good thing I have to say about this whole production, and it's not really about the character, it's just I thought Robert Carlyle was really good. I, despite, I'll agree with that. Despite everything. I'll, I'll agree with that. He he was probably the better, better performer. He had Rupert Graves... Uh, were, he were gave the he gave that... the best performance in this, and and I've you know I've seen Rupert Graves and I've seen Rafe Spall both give absolutely top notch performances. So it's you know it's not it's not a question of that. It's just I I thought he was really good in this, and given how bad some of the other good people were, that's probably quite an achievement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, I. I... You know, we have the whole bit of cottage drama at the beginning about them being unmarried and the town doesn't like them because they're an unmarried couple and apparently no one is welcoming to them except for Ogilvy, who is, as he puts it, the aging gentleman or the gentleman bachelor of advancing years who likes to keep himself well turned out, which if that doesn't sound like He's saying they all think I'm gay. I don't know. Oh yes. What doesn't go anywhere? Doesn't inform the character. Doesn't nothing. No. Just just lines. Just lines to be. It's it. Sad to say, but it's like they're ticking off a box. Why are they ticking off a box? Got a gay character. Go. He's not gay. Is he not? That's the point about the line. Is it? I don't know I th- because uh, that it's was, that delivered was in I such took, a way. That was what I took from it. I thought it was. I thought it was a nice line. It didn't go anywhere. You're right, but yeah, just it was absolutely. There we go. Uh, I just threw that out there. That's why the rest of the village doesn't thinks I'm a pariah. Too. I don't know. They didn't even really say he was a pariah too. He just said they say things about me in the village, and, and it was such a stereotype as well that he's describing. Well, you know, I'm the stereotype. So there you go. I don't know. It just, just like well, there was there was a few more minutes we ticked off until we got to the Martians arriving, and and that was was in the first sixteen minutes, and I was already thinking at that point, this is mighty slow, <laughs> this whole show. <laughs> it's like, huh? Yeah, all right. Yeah. I hope it gets better. What about the special effects? Let's 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 try to turn something into a. a I'm not going to say a positive, but uh, the Martians, the Martian war machines, any thoughts? They uh... were fine. They were all right. Okay. <laughs> I, I admit, I liked, 
I liked the weirdly segmented leg arrangement. I think of all the tripod imitations or implementations I've seen in movies, um, uh, you know, the worst being the George Powell 1950s version, which they didn't have legs. And, but all the others, those were the most alien looking legs because they just didn't, they didn't bend like man. They didn't bend like spider. They didn't bend like dog. They just were different. And I thought that was an interesting interpretation of it. The Martians themselves? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of muscly. They, they've been working out. They're buff. could really see those toned muscles in their backs. But um, I, I, overall, they were competent. But, but that, was, that was the best. I mean, uninspired design, even there. Uh, I guess they're okay is the best best we can say which by the way i absolutely think we should we should on a future uh future podcast we should do the tv series bbc also uh the tripods ah which i was i was i was gonna say bbc tv series the tripods yes this is the first this is the first no i mean i thought you meant there'd be another war of the worlds but this is the first bbc adaptation of war of the worlds i think it is not it is not it is not. It is an adaptation. It is sadly only two of three books, but it's an adaptation of uh, some books by a guy whose name I can't remember at the minute. They're on my bookshelf, but I can't see them because my glasses aren't on. Um, the City of Gold and Lead and the, the White Mountains and um, uh, there's one other. But it's three stories. And where I was talking about earlier, if you want to tell a story, what happens after the Martian invasion? Mm-hmm. That's kind of what this series is. I mean, it don't specifically state that it's a War of the Worlds sequel. And obviously the aliens were never wiped out by diseases, but it is the world after the Martians have have taken over and their giant tripods rule over the world. And uh it, it's a it, it was it was great. We should we should definitely do that. Pretty sure I've got it somewhere. <laughs> we can find it. Anyway, that was a detour. I don't know that I have anything else to to say or pick on. Um, I, I I I have nothing really more to say about this. I'm I'm going to mention the titles purely because I thought there was a kind of promising combination of imperialism and entomology there, but it didn't really lead to anything in terms of what we saw. In the I, I think it's a fair fair comment. The um, all the stuff of the insectoid life and the ants mostly. Mostly ants, but not entirely ants. I didn't really get that out of these creatures. No, exactly. And I, they're, they're I, not a colony of ants. Was, I thought, because right at the very start, one of the opening shots is, I think, of some ants. Yeah. But that's it. That's it. It seems like that was that was just to link in with the titles rather than the titles actually foreshadowing something that was going to be a, an exploration. In yeah, the, there's no... I mean, I guess you could... Okay, I guess you could make a very tortured argument. I'll, I'll, I'll try. I'll try, because there have been science fiction stories where we talk about insectoid creatures coming in and swarming, even if they're intelligent insectoid creatures, and that's much more obvious here. We don't get that, but you could make the argument that the British Empire swarmed across the planet like army ants, destroying everything in their path. And so 
that the colonialism is a metaphor not for the Martians, but for the British, or the the answer, the metaphor for the British, uh, colonialism, uh, and destroying everything in their path and eating every, all the resources and destroying our planet. And then the Martians are just doing that to us. So, again, really tortured, but I that could be what they were going for. But they didn't go through it. I mean, that was the point. What it, there's, there is, there's, I don't know, there's some, there's, there are ideas and imagery that you could mine from those parallels that they just really didn't explore. So I don't, I don't understand what was going on in those titles. I wonder if that but even I had anything them. to do with the writer. No, that could just strictly be the director or the art director or someone who's like, yeah, hey, let's do that. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> You know, it's like, there's nothing about it in the story, but I like it. I like the visuals. So let's go. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> it's like, I I was so, I got to say, I was so looking forward to this. I was really looking forward to this story. And I will say that I, I wasn't spoiled on it, but apparently New Zealand got this before Britain did. And I read that. So we had well, a, New we Zealand, had a, the, the, we were, we were, we were not getting the first transmission. Other countries got it before us. Oh, I'd say Canada, New Zealand had it a month ago, well. quite a while. Cause I got a note from, from somebody who saw the first episode of it. And fortunately they weren't being spoilery, but they did kind of warn me that it might not be as good as, as we all hoped. Uh, <laughs> and, I think it, I but think I it was, was still, due to air earlier and that, you oh, know, they pushed that back. may not yeah. be not unconnected with the fact that it's not very good. <laughs> Let's push it back. Uh, we've got some more Strictly Come Dancing we can watch instead or anything. But right. yeah. Um, but, you know, I was I was looking forward to it. I was hugely pumped for it. I got that and I was kind of like, I'm going to I'm going to go in with an open mind. War of the Worlds by Peter Harness. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. And I still tried to turn. I still tried to turn a positive to it. But I watched the first episode with five other people, and we all just kind of shook our heads after part one. It's like, wow. <laughs> Hope it gets better. Hope it gets better. None of them watched the other two parts with me. <laughs> they didn't hope it got much better because they didn't care. Anyway. Oh well, if that's it, Simon. Thank you for joining me. Well, it's a pleasure as always. <laughs> and listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can be a sponsor and get early access to all episodes and more at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. Come join the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. All episodes are available at FusionPatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.